Hello, and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Well, it's good to see you guys. Um, you know, I think that that word that Yitzhak was even opening up with, victory, um, I think it's, it's important, but I think that is something that is guaranteed us and that has already been accomplished for us in what Jesus did. And, and there's something of that victorious reality that we are called to proclaim, but not with our words, with the manifestation of our life, that the righteousness with God, but the peace and the joy that is of the kingdom of heaven literally emanates from us. Peace and joy is success in this life. It's what the whole entire world is grasping after and reaching for. And we're called to walk in such a level of wholeness, you know, that it is not a religion to which we are actually constantly looking to have our needs met. It is we are so whole in Him and complete in Him that we're walking around full and we're leaking out <laughs> to other people. You know what I mean? We're, we are impacting every circle of life that we're in. And this literally is the walk of the Spirit. You know, there is, there is no Christianity, there's actually no such thing as Christianity that is not Spirit-filled Christianity. Spirit-filled Christianity is just a term that's been given for real Christianity. If you really look at all the obscure prophecies that were scattered throughout the Old Testament, that was, that was the foretelling of what Christianity was going to be. Not merely um, a redempted state that we would die and go to heaven, but that heaven would actually come through a people that are connected to God relationally. And Jesus, you want to talk about the, the biggest proclamation of victory, literally shows up on the scene. His, the very first thing that we have, minus him as a 12-year-old, but like as a man ready to let this thing rip, was the baptism of Jor- in Jordan. You know, and you guys know, I mean, I'm like the, the biggest fanboy of Dreadlock John the Baptist that there is probably in the world, you know, but he's the greatest prophet born of a woman and the greatest prophet of all time. Um, but this reality that Jesus comes and is baptized in this mystic river, this supernatural place that is so tied into their history, but even in their history, was simply a shadow of things that were to come. He was the fulfillment of that reality. And Jesus is literally baptized and goes under the water, comes back up, and John sees in what, is, what is like a dove. You know, you know, the, you know I guess there's, there's the study of gematria where, like, where they basically, the practice of assigning numerical values to a name or a word according to... Um, basically a cipher and I think most scholars will believe that that cipher translates the word dove that they use which they could have used a different word for dove in all the gospels but the one that they use translates to the alpha and the omega but you see the alpha and the alpha and the omega the embodiment of Yahweh himself this human being that's embodied of Yahweh coming in and you hear the father's voice this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and it's like he hasn't even done anything yet and that does that's that's kind of the point you know what I mean um and you see the Spirit of God, this Trinitarian view of what's going on, all in one picture. The Godhead, some people will call, call him. 
coming and being baptized as the Spirit, but it was like this proclamation. The Jordan River was the place of the takeover beginning. That's what it is. And we as Christians, we kind of, you know, we can see the parabolic reality of the Old Testament, which the Bible tells us to read it like that. Not that it's not literal, because it is, but like 1 Corinthians 10, 11, that these things were happened to them for us to see upon whom the ends of the ages have come, this, this reality, this new covenant have come. And so we see, you know, the people of God, Israel, have come under an identity that's not theirs to be, which is a slave in Egypt, you know. A slave to Pharaoh, the representative of Satan, the darkness of the world. But there's a baptism that happens. They literally cross the Red Sea on dry ground. The thing parts, you know, walls up around them when Moses is holding up the staff. And they literally cross through on dry ground into the wilderness, right? Heading towards this, quote, air quotes, promised land. Where they're stepping out of Egypt. Everything that, that enforced this false identity of being a slave upon them literally tried to pursue them and was swallowed by the Red Sea and we understand this baptism this is the baptism that is sim symbolized there where everything that's attached to your old identity whoosh, the enemy whoosh, I don't know what that sound is that I'm making but you catch what I'm throwing it's being dunked under the Red Sea and, and, and now we're free to be quote-unquote Israel son or prince with God but see, there was another baptism, and I think this is, this is exactly what Jesus is demonstrating, that John the Baptist was actually hip to, the greatest prophet of all time. You know, because remember, he's like, There's somebody, come, somebody's coming after me whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In other words, yeah, I'm doing it with water, and this is cool and symbolic, but there's another baptism coming. And the other guy actually shows up and this reality happens. This Trinitarian, this Godhead, this view, the I am, the Alpha Omega, the, the Spirit, the Father, the Son, all together in one picture for us to see. But as a demonstration, as a human being who's empowered and redeemed by God, but not only redeemed to go to heaven when he dies, to step into like the second baptism after the Red Sea, the Jordan River, to step into the promised land, yeah. which was heaven on earth. Yeah. And so we know historically the Israelites, you know, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 plus years. Um, but then there was another baptism in that Jordan River that they crossed over. And I think that's probably what we'll look at today because um, I feel like it's really symbolic for us. And I think that um, there's something there for us, even as a house. Um, but the reality of Jesus, man, I, if I was going to make this like a movie, I would say the opening scene, right? Kind of let's do like kind of Quentin Tarantino. Don't watch those movies. Kinda, you know, <laughs> a, a movie where they play the back, the end first, and then go back to the history. That's, what I would, that's how I would view this. I would see John 14, verse 13 to 15. I would see Jesus with the disciples, which I love. John 14, 15, and 16, because now these aren't parables. Jesus is talking to them straight up about what's happening, what's going on. And I see Jesus talking about this new covenant, this spirit that's going to come upon these guys. And the 12 disciples, all they know about the spirit coming upon people was the prophets that would prophesy and these priests that would get this anointing, but they know about the judges who would literally wreck shop like superheroes. So they're getting excited. Yeah, yeah tell me more, you know what I mean? But Jesus says this, when the spirit of truth has come, he will actually guide you into all truth. 
He won't speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. And this is, this is when, um, it's almost like when I picture this happening, Jesus having this conversation with his guys. He's foretelling this new covenant, this reality, this spirit walk that we're going to enter into and, and, and be unlocked from this limited brain that we've, that we've accepted as our reality. But he says something, he's going he's gonna to take that which is mine and actually declare it to you. But then he says something in verse 15, which I can just see like a twinkle in his eye when he says this, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it, from you, declare it to you. It's like, here you got a person sitting there with these guys saying, everything that God has is mine. I own it all. And you're just like, dude, you can't talk like that, man. I don't even know if a Messiah can talk like that. A son of, air quote, son of God. You know what I mean? There's a rewiring happen in their mind. Like, what did you just say? But here's the I am, as he announced himself to the Pharisees. You know what I mean? Here's the embodiment of Yahweh, who's came in such stealth, right, that if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Amen. Saying things like, everything that God, God has, the Father has, is mine. It's like, eesh. and this spirit's going to take that which is mine and declare it to you. Everything that God has will be declared to you in this spirit that will be in you, will be on you. And it's just like, what are we talking about here? We're talking about something so much more, so much greater. And then when we look back at Jesus being baptized, they're, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, whoa, this is heavy. And Jesus is baptized in this very spirit that comes upon him was the coming out party of this Jewish carpenter, strange rabbinical mystic fellow that had been walking around fairly young, 30 years old and healthy. So a 30-year-old back here then is not like, you know, the ones from your high school reunion. You know what I'm saying? No. Uh, you know, they, they've done a little, they walk a lot more. Um, and they get natural sun and things. Um, but yeah, so... Where was I going with that? Nicole's my, when my wife says, oh no, like that's enough, yeah. You know. But it's like, you're putting things together. Like he's demonstrated something that he's done. And this Jordan River deal, this symbolic thing is, is, is symbolic of something way more for us. And it is the basis of Christianity. And it's the basis of, the, of, of this second baptism, so to speak, which for Christians, it's, it's a double, you know, the Red Sea and the Jordan. Um, is something that is meant to empower us. It's the sign that, that the inheritance is actually here and released. This is my son. It's like once that designation is there, it's like, hey, the inheritance is fully released. Everything pertaining to life and godliness, Peter called it that way, has been given unto you. And we're over here in this reality, this lesser reality thing. Man, man that's, not, that's not how I'm really living. That's not how I'm really feeling. If God's fully given the whole thing, but in his spirit, he's called us to inherit everything that he has already released. John the Baptist said it real clear in John 3. He does not give the spirit by measure. 
It's not like we're going to just hang out and cry out for an, uh, another outpouring and a, you know, all, the, all these things that happen just are real popular these days. But it's really like, hey, he's given the whole thing. So if it's not working, it's not on his end. It's fully been released. And I think there's something of, of the, mature, the maturity of the sons of God, the maturing of Christianity, that is no longer just like um, charismatic hype or just hitting your head against the wall and just living in denial, but it's something to where God is intelligent and he's call, causing us to walk in an intelligent walk where we're actually dealing with the very things that rob our inheritance because he's released it to us. And he's calling us and he's calling the people to be so whole in heart, right? And this level of maturity that they can actually have the capacity to receive all that's been given. Because it's not like, well, give us more. It's just like, hey, it's more like, hey, I want to grow you up into the reality of this kingdom by my spirit and in this walk that you can actually receive that which I already, past tense, have fully released and given to you. You know what I mean? And this is the walk of that Jordan River baptism. It's the walk of Joshua 1. You know, here's Yeshua, you know, being baptized in the Jordan, Jesus. And, and it's, the, it's unmistakable, the prophetic reality of the book of Joshua, who had the same name, you know. And um, that is actually foretold for us. But I love the story of Joshua and the people of Israel because you know they could not cross that Jordan River to go into the promised land, the place that they were called to, to, to be, that God had given them fully. And it wasn't on God's end that they couldn't cross it. It was on their own end, if you read the book of Numbers, like 13 and 14, because when they spied out the land that God was giving them, 10 out of 12 of them were scared to death because the Nephilim were there, the giants, and the hybrid things, the X-Men, or whatever you want to call it, the heroes of old. You know, all that stuff was so occupied that the fear of their own hearts saw, caused them to see the beauty of God's inheritance as too threatening to move forward into. And so fear actually had to die off amongst the people for 40 years. All the fearful mentalities had to die off, and they're walking around in this supernatural wilderness. Their shoes never wore out. Nobody ever got sick. This is a heavenly reality that's foretold for us to walk in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There was manna that was left for them... The, the bread of angels, as it was called, on, on the ground all the time. You know, it's just like this water would come from random places, rocks and these things. They were always supernaturally covered by a cloud that covered them by day, a fire that covered them over the night. It's like wherever they were in the desert, the climate over the people group was different than it was in the rest of the desert. All these prophetic pictures for us as Christians of what we're learning to walk and grow in but when it came time to step into the promised land, fear kept them out. And so we see the story of numbers. We see these, you know, this generation basically of people dying off except for Joshua and Caleb. You know. And um, then we have the book of Joshua. But I think there's something in this world and in this life, in this plastic, you know, lesser than reality that we're living in, that is a key for us to live the prayer of the Lord Jesus, which is your kingdom come and your will be done in this earth so that your name be hallowed and separate from all that it's been added to, to manifest heaven. And I think the key, I mean, I would even call it the key of the matrix or the key of the world or whatever we call it, is being so free from the very thing that robs everyone and always did in its fear. Yeah. And I think fear is the thing that every Christian moving into authority 
has to literally come up against and voluntarily face in relationship to the Lord in order to actually overcome and manifest the kingdom in this life the way we're called to. And it was funny, it's Joshua, you know, I mean, his, his name really wasn't Joshua. It was like Hoshua, Hoshea, you know, in Numbers 13, 8. Then Moses called him Yehoshea. Moses renamed the guy, um, which is funny. Kind of like what Jesus does, renames all his homies and, and God did and all that. But when Moses was blessing Joshua at the end of his life, he was telling, telling something to the people of Israel from the lessons they had learned walking through the wilderness, which is like, don't be afraid of the enemy. Be strong and be of good courage. The Lord your God actually goes before you and he's with you. Like never, never believe the lie that God's not with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. That's important. But then he says the same thing to Joshua. Hey, Joshua, be strong and be of good courage. You're actually going to take this people into this promised land in order to divide it amongst them. And the Lord, he's the one that goes before you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. And to me, I think this is the key to unlocking everything in this life. It is the reality, the beauty of the fear of the Lord. It is the one who goes before you that will never leave you nor forsake you for he is with you. It is a perspective in this life when we're choosing to seek first the kingdom, you know what I mean? And that Psalm 23, that designating the Lord as our shepherd, when we're in this follow-through with Him, and this is our all-in route, the only thing to keep us from inheriting everything that He has for us is disqualifying our own selves by fear, by listening to a voice of fear instead of the voice of truth. Yeah. You know? it's, it literally is smoke and mirrors. The enemy, the demonic realm, it's, is a completely defeated foe just like a, a terrorist in some small fraction of a country in the Middle East or wherever else, defeated, isolated, small, that is perpetuating himself with terror and shoving things out into the atmosphere in a way to control a lot larger people group, a lot more empowered people group, to yield to what he wants. You know? And that's how the game is played with us. But when you look at the book of Joshua in this mentality, Literally, God comes to Joshua in the very, very beginning of Joshua 1 concerning crossing this Jordan, stepping into this reality, which is the Christian walk, right? And he literally comes to him, and, and I love the first, the first like, thing that God says, Moses, my servant, is dead in Joshua 1, 2. <laughs> like, I know, I know that. Now arise and go over the Jordan, you and all the people. I'm giving this land to the children of Israel. In other words, like, you know, we know Moses, you know, the law, the, the first five books of the Bible. This is, a, this is a new reality that we're stepping into, and it's time to manifest the victory of heaven in the world. And you're my guy for it. That's Christianity. That's the baptism of the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit baptism of Jordan. That's Jordan. It was like, hey, you're going to cross this river, and it's victory time. But he gives them these three points that it's just like, it sounds like he's just nailing it into his head. In verse 6, he says, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide an inheritance of the land which I swore to their fathers. This is about inheritance. The whole thing's about inheritance. And then in verse 7, he reiterates himself, Only 
Be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night and observe to do all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Verse 9, by the way, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage and do not be afraid. It's like, can you imagine the Lord coming to you as the captain? And it's like, yeah, what's the game plan? Hey, you're taking them in. All right, that sounds simple enough. What do I need to do? Well, the three, three of the main things is, one, you need to be incredibly confident. Be completely strong and courageous. It's funny when you look at the Hebrew words of that. Like it, it's almost like some, it's like be fully locked in, like a dog locking in on a ball or something. Like, like fixate, lock down on, on, this, on the reality of what I'm giving to you. And don't be afraid no matter what. Be strong, be confident, be courageous. Also, oh yeah, and be strong and confident and have courage. Be courageous. Right? It's like, okay, yeah, I heard that one, you know? He's like, yeah, meditate on the law. Let it not depart from your mind and from your heart. And one last thing. Have I not told you? Oh, I don't remember if I told you this or not. Be strong and incredibly confident and courageous in what you're going to do. Don't be afraid. That's your, that's your game plan. All right, Lord, what are we doing? What we're doing, do you follow me? And no matter what, no matter what it looks like, no matter how you feel, do not let fear steer you. Only follow me. Amen. And it's like, yikes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what are we going to be walking into that you have to talk to me like that? You know what I mean? That's the first thing that comes into our minds. But in reality, from them, it's like, hey, that's the point. It's a lie. Don't buy into it. The poison of the knowledge of good and evil caused mankind to be afraid of the very one who was his covering, who was his inheritance. They hid from him. And then, and even to this day, people see him through this poisonous view of being both good and evil. Now there's a separate guy in the Old Testament that there is in the New Testament. One's good, one's evil, good cop, bad cop. The wrath of one's pouring out. The goodness of the other ones, please don't hurt him, Dad. You know what I'm saying? This twisted pagan God has bled into the minds of people throughout the world, throughout the church world, and it's causing them to actually be in the promised land, not even waiting for it, to actually be in it, but to be so afraid that they're just camped out waiting to die and go to heaven, to the promised land, when they're there right now. It's crazy. Yeah. Have you ever seen somebody walking around town talking to themselves, rocking back and forth on a, on a park bench or something like that? You know, maybe they got PTSD or some mental issue or whatever it could be, but you recognize them and you realize like that person's not even here. That person's not really even here. See, we are seated in Christ in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6, but Fear literally comes and it causes us to be so ingrained into the carnal world instead of setting our mind on things above, so ingrained with the mindset of the earth that we are sitting around the cloud of witnesses the angels can see us in the heavenly place of authority of the finished work, rocking back and forth, concerned, twisting our fingers around over the thoughts and cares of this carnal world being of no effect. The go-between of heaven and earth, you know, wide open. Us sitting in a place of authority doing nothing. 
waiting to go to where we already are when the reality is like heaven's in us and with us. It's all around us. And Jesus comes saying stuff about all these people that are waiting. The kingdom of heaven is where? It's at, it's at hand. It's here. It's now. It's right now. It's amongst us. There's a veil, Colossians 1. You know. You're only separate in your mind, Colossians 1, 20, 21, by wicked works. It's, 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 it's a facade, but God has actually brought you out of that insanity into this reality. And that's the baptism of the Spirit. We have, it says, the mind of Christ. It's the same one. It's God within. It's Christ within. The hope of glory. The Spirit of your Father that gives you the things to say. It's, it's all of Him. You know, This reality is like He's telling Joshua, it's like, hey, do not be steered by fear. That's the only way you can lose. You know, there's, there's, The fear of man proves to be a snare, right? But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. That's Proverbs 29, 25. But Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, there's a strong confidence. And his children have a place of complete and total covering and refuge. There's two different mentalities. The fear of the Lord, which leads to wealth, riches, and honor, as it says. The delight, Isaiah 11 says, of God is in the fear of the Lord. And then there's the fear of man, which that word man is just Adam. It's the carnal, inherited, dark Darkness which came in through the lineage of Adam that steers everyone's lives in the world. And it's like you'll have the fear of the Lord or you'll have the fear of, the, of Adam, of, of that nature, running your life, and it's got to be one or the other. But the fear of the Lord is actually the covering of God. It's the acknowledgement of Him being more real than even that which comes across that would normally make you afraid. You know, It, it seems so backwards, but it's the brilliance of the confidence that we're actually called to walk in. And here's God drilling it into Joshua. Don't be afraid no matter what. All for us to see. What did Jesus say when they asked Jesus about the law? Don't be afraid. Be confident. Times three. And by the way, keep the law in your heart and mind. Understand. Meditate on this all the time. But what did Jesus say? Hey, what is... These, these two things hang the law and the prophets. Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. We understand what this is. It's the cross of Jesus, the up beam and the side beam. It's like, man, you mean that if I can maintain a mind of, of the love of God in my heart and choose not to be led by fear, I'm guaranteed to have victory in this life? It's like, yeah, because it's already there. We just step into the reality of it. But the one thing that God brings us into and the shepherd leads us into is the ability to confront the very things that steer us in a different direction, fear. Because they're the things that rob our inheritance. They, they rob us of hope. They rob us of joy. They rob us of any positive outcome. They cause us not to walk in faith, the fearful mind. And God's like, no, none of this is yours. The Jordan is the takeover. It's the place of, being, of taking over. And I'm bringing you through it into this promised land. This is Christianity. There's no victims in this life. There's none. There's not even conquerors. There's more than conquerors. That's what Christianity is. It's like no matter what, we're in complete conquer mode. You feel? So, you know, as the story goes, Joshua 2, he sends out some spies. They go spy out the land. This time they come back with a positive report. They learn that lesson of the book of Numbers. Yeah? They're not doing that again. This is a whole new breed of people. 
They say the Lord has delivered this place into our hand. But it says in Joshua 3, which I think is very interesting, as soon as they, as soon as they, they get this good report, the Lord comes and he, and he tells them, hey, Joshua, it's go time. He's got the green light. So they literally cross the Jordan. He prepares the people and it says, hey, this is a place, this is a way in, in, in Joshua 3, 4. It's like you've never crossed this way before. Joshua 3, 3. It's like, hey, he tells them how to follow the ark. Stay about a couple thousand paces back from it but we're going to follow the ark wherever it goes, and you've never done this before. And this is the entrance to real Christian living. This is it. This is the veil being torn. This is Isaiah 59. You know, all of them. Jeremiah 31, 33, Ezekiel 36, 26. All the communication of God that's prophesied of the new covenant. It's just like, hey, now your job is to follow him wherever he goes and never be led of fear. Right? You've never done this before. When you step into the Christian walk, it's not like, oh, I signed a club, and you know, I, I can... I'm a member at a place and my kids get to go in there and look at the guy, you know, you know, it's like, it's like, no, no, it's like, this is a complete different mindset from the way you've ever lived. You're going to the other side of the tracks. You know what I mean? It's like, we're not, we're not smoking DMT and trying to have, be, be enlightened necessarily. What we're doing is actually coming into a mind that is far more mystical and real and seeing things the way he sees things. Right. You know, it's like he's crucified on top of a skull, right? Golgotha. The key of David's plugged into it. The carnal man, the carnal mind, the tongues of fire over the brains of man. It's like everything's picturing to this freedom that comes to our mind and our views and our way of seeing things. And it's not like, well, now you're going to be crazy. Well, maybe in the view of some, but we've become crazy because of the poison of the knowledge of good and evil. And now I'm becoming free of that and I'm following him. If crazy means I'm not afraid then that's then fine. It's not an excuse to act charismania you know, weird all the time. But you can do that if you like. Just don't hurt somebody with that. But, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's God half the time. But, you know, whatever. So they cross the Jordan River in chapter 3, and it's really cool. It says, I love in, in Joshua 3.16. That's an easy thing to remember, 3.16, for you. Because it's important. Um, but it says the waters, when, when, the, when the priests stepped in with the Ark of the Covenant and they put their feet into the Jordan River, which was overflowing because it was during harvest time. So it was like, it's like, hey, this is kind of a bad time to cross. Like, doesn't matter. We just follow the Ark when it moves. Um, it says the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam. The city that was beside... I have it blacked out on accident. Zerata. Isn't that funny? It's like the waters of the Jordan River literally stopped all the way back to a city that's just, it's kind of a strange coincidence, called Adam. It's every bit of the lineage of the fall since Adam completely reversed. It's all about inheritance. We're stepping into the inheritance of the kingdom, which is God's Father's good pleasure to give us. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is my son. This is like, this is... There's this inheritance, this inauguration, this sonship it happens for girls too. But this reality is like everything you've inherited from Adam that did not come from your true father in heaven, disinherited. All of the evil traits, all of those things. It's funny, I got to sit with another minister uh, this week and we were talking about that. But just the contradiction, you know, of, you know Deuteronomy, like honor, honor your father and mother. 
That'll go well with you. Paul says that the first commandment was a promise, you know. But then Jesus is like, he who doesn't, what, hate his father and mother can't be my disciple. It's like, yee, like, which one, which one is that? Jesus says, call no man on earth your father. Remember that saying? Yikes. Does that mean you can't call your dad dad? No. No. What is he talking about? He's talking about that Jordan River backing up to Adam. He's like, hey, you don't trace your lineage from the earth. Call no man on the earth your father. You trace your lineage from heaven. You still honor your father and your mother because that's the scriptures that can't be broken. He is the word of God. But what is it saying? That which comes from God in your family lineage, you honor that, you bless that, you respect that, you revere that. You know what I'm saying? You bless your family. You know? But that which doesn't come, maybe it's the experiences that they had growing up. Maybe it's a poverty mentality. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's whatever, violence. Anxiety. OCD tendencies. Well, I'm just like, you know, when you can trace it of not coming from your father, you can trace it into the earth, you have the ability to disown it. Amen. That's Christianity. It's not like, well, I'm just going to be like this for the rest of my life. In heaven, I'll be free. It's like, no, heaven is now. The kingdom is here. The kingdom, Jesus says, is at a hand. You know? It's like, hey, there's an ability. This river backed all the way up to Adam. And it's not an accident. This is about inheritance. Stepping into the inheritance. This is God speaking through Moses, through Joshua, like, this is the place I promised to your fathers. This is your family inheritance. The prince with God, the one who wrestles God. This is, this is, this is your place. The thing that they dealt with was fear to get out of it. I love in Joshua 5. Joshua 5, I feel like, is where so many people are at right now. That's why I feel, where I feel like, feel like this is a really... Uh, maybe a kind of a hitter with things that are coming up in the heart. I think a lot of times we give credit, oh, I'm dealing with some spiritual warfare, brother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For stuff that the Lord is allowing to come up in our hearts just so that we'll deal with them. Because this new covenant real means that we can actually make, break away from mindsets that we've inherited from this life, maybe even the experiences of this life, and step into His mind. That's what repentance is, right? Changing our mind from one to another. Breaking old patterns, Yeah. Joshua 5 is like, when they finally get over, they're there. And, and I'm, I think this is great because God literally comes and speaks to Joshua in, in Joshua 5. It's like, dude, this is such a long time coming. We've been promised this since Egypt. We've been in, in the wilderness. You know, people have been getting by snakes and, you know, all this crazy stuff. The earth opened up one time, swallowed a bunch of people, number 16. You know, this is just a wild, dramatic history. And we're in, baby. We're in. Like, whoa, like we're on the other side. This is it. You know, of course it's filled with bad guys and it still is today. But that's the thing. We're waiting for like the conditions to be perfect to where we can come and settle in and be like, okay, I feel completely and totally comfortable. And God's like, no, 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 no. Like, don't let your fear steer you out of what I've given to you. Don't let it steer you away from what's rightfully yours. That's what church and Christianity is about. The gates of hell won't prevail. Yes, they're illegally squatting on land that is yours, but we're going to remove them from it. And that's, that's what the whole thing is <laughs> to this day. And um, anyways, he comes to Joshua and he's like, now what? And he's like, all right, now I want you to make some flint knives for yourselves. Make knives? So are we going to defeat the enemy with these knives? And it's like, no, actually, I want you to circumcise everybody. And it's just like, what could be a worse idea than that? <laughs> it's like, we just got across in the promised land. 
okay, we're, we're following you. We're not going to be afraid no matter what. I don't care if there's supernatural power that some of these people are stepping in because Jericho had some of that going on. I don't care if there's Nephilim, people that are hybrids from, from the sons of God, the Benai Elohim, the angels, whatever you want to call them. I know that they're out there, uh, but I'm not going to be afraid of that kind of stuff. Um, but, but you want to go and disable myself. You want to go have surgery on a bunch of people to where we can't move and we're completely vulnerable. And I think that is one of the most beautiful aspects of this relational walk of the kingdom in the world today, in the promised land today, is this vulnerability and this transparency and this openness is not a weakness, man. It is not. It is a strength, you know. But it's like, yeah, all the way back to Adam erased, all the lineage of the fall, and now every bit of that flesh that's still a part of you that doesn't belong there, it's unnecessary, let's remove it. It's like, okay, but don't you want me to shoot some fireballs at the bad guys? No, 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 no. I want to deal with what's in your heart. They, are, they aren't a big deal to me. And that's what we, we, we learn to realize in this walk. The things we're afraid of and the break that we want, even the the hopes we have of purpose and destiny and will it happen and, and all that stuff, none of that's a big deal to him. None of it's hard for him. What he's after is right up in here, the circumcision of the heart. He's after the wholeness of heart. And it's not like, I want you to be fully loyal to me as a real servant. You know, it's, it's that I want your heart to be free from every bit of the heart of stone. I want you fully alive in my image as I've created you. Because I want you fully whole and able to receive all that I have to give you. you know? And he told them that time and time again, even in the promised land and even through the desert. He says, when you get to the promised land, I'm going to open it up little by little so it's not too big for you. Little by little, I'm going to give you victory so it's, it has nothing to do with defeating the enemy. It's just like, I don't want the land to be too numerous for you to where the wild beasts and stuff take over your territory because you haven't, you haven't grown enough to be able to occupy it yet but I'm going to give you the whole thing. I just want you to grow into it. It's all about maturity. Christianity is all about maturity. The huios of God, the sons of God, Romans 8, are those led of the Spirit of God that all of creation is groaning for to be unlocked by. Does that sound like we're in like some type of weird new age thing? I, I hope not, but I, hope it kind of, I kind of do hope that it does because it's just like <laughs> Romans 8, all of creation is groaning and longing for the sons of God because the creation itself, it says in Romans 8, has been subject to this futility that came in through the fall. Everything has been limited in this dimension, in this domain, and it's waiting for us to step into power. No, no, no. The authority of the kingdom of God power's the little thing. Jesus is like, you faith like a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Must, this faith isn't the, the issue, it's the authority that's the issue. It's the authority of your heart. Remember, he's telling them, boys, forgive people. Man, it's really cool. So they do what the Lord says, and the circumcision happens. It's so important inheriting all that we can have, all the Lord has for us, to literally walking through the issues of the heart with him. And almost every time, those issues are manifest in the fears that we are dealing with in life. Just the way it works. And here he is telling Josh, no matter what, don't be afraid. Just follow my lead. In other words, I'm going to tell you some things that are going to really make you feel really uncovered, vulnerable. Um, maybe even that you think is a really dumb, bad idea. But that's just fear talking to you because you think on a lower way, but just trust me and walk with me. It's going to play out. 
and sure did. I love the end of, of Joshua 5 because Joshua basically goes for a walk, you know. He goes for a walk by himself. I guess people are maybe even still healing up in verse 13 of Joshua 5. Is it says, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. In other words, he was in the promised land and he was close to the place where they were going to go. He lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man, capital M, don't you like that? Stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua did what every tough son of a gun would do that we, that we like. Went to him and said to him, are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? <laughs> you know, it's like Joshua sees a guy out when he's by himself. Yeah, catch, yeah. he goes and runs up on the guy and, and, and his, what's it going to be? Am I killing you now? Or are you for us now? Like doesn't back down to him at all. You've got to love that. Just like this is, I'm coming. This must be the promise. This is the first, this is the first enemy. Let's, <laughs> let's get after it, you know. But the man speaks to him and says, no. That's a weird answer for are you for us or for our enemies? The answer is no. Not for either one of them, as a matter of fact. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I've come. And Joshua fell on his face and says, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the word that he tells him is the same thing that he told Moses when he met him as a burning, fiery bush. Take your shoes off for the place where you stand is holy. You know. I'm not a man and I'm not just an angel. I'm the angel of the Lord. I am Yahweh embodied in the Old Testament. Take your shoes off. You know? And it was like, boom. <laughs> I'm going to close with that just because I think it's fun. And it's just like, look, this is the entrance to the promised land. You know what I mean? And it's a place where he's meeting God. But everything that's coming through his carnal way of viewing things Everything that's being removed from us all the way back to Adam in this walk. All the fear that we're actually having to confront in this life. That we're dealing with the anxieties of the heart. That's I mean, the, the Bible is just full of it. Cast all of your anxieties upon the Lord. He cares for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let everything with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It's just like have a mentality of thanksgiving and don't let fear cause you to project an outcome that's fallen. And here's, here's Joshua rolling up, bowing up on the guy. And even in his carnal, uncircumcised way of thinking, is just like, are you with us or are you with the bad guys? And God is instantly like, hey, this has nothing to do with that. This is about the inheritance of my people. So this is about warfare, right? Not in the way that you're thinking. You know, This us versus them mentality. This we versus them. It's like, hey... We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This thing is way bigger than that. It's a different mentality. See no man as your enemy in the world. Jesus sure didn't. You know what I mean? He loved everybody. Even the ones that were striking him. It was about the kingdom coming. Are you for us or for them? Like, I'm not, but I'm actually giving my inheritance into my people and you're following me. I'm not following you. Let's get that real... Let's get that real straight right here now, you know. Um, it's beautiful. Because when you look at the, them inheriting everything that they had for them, what was in the way? 
was it the bad guys in the land? Was it the big wall of Jericho? Or was it uh, the Nephilim, the hybrids? The... It was none of those things. It was their own fear. It was smoke and mirrors. And I'll, I'll go as far as to say, if fear is being dealt with, it is a sign of moving more into our inheritance. It's a sure sign of it, unless we're running away from it. Every clinical psychologist these days, like that's the, the greatest power of healing somebody from their fears and anxieties and traumas and stuff like that, is getting them to look at it voluntarily, to face it. You know, I mean, it's a spiritual principle, but it, it works throughout the secular world anywhere else. But there's something when the fear is manifesting, it's a sign like, wait a second, I'm not going to buy into the lie that I'm alone or that I'm overwhelmed if I'm following you. You're actually, you're releasing something to me here. And it's not about how do I get it to work? It is how do I process through this with you and listen to your voice and follow through in whatever you have for me. The enemy was definitely squatting on the land um, and still is, but they are not what keeps the people of God out of actually inheriting all that God has for us. You know? It's our own fear. When we choose to face fears and actually rep replace those false mentalities, because that's where it comes from, with actually truth in our life, we realize that the enemy is an after effect. Are you for us or for our enemies? Like, hey, I don't want you looking at yourself. I don't want you looking at them. I want you following me. I don't want you looking at the situation. I don't want you... Like, he's getting them out, outside of the arena, the mental arena. It's like, I don't want you looking at any of that. I want you connected to me. It's like, remember the lesson of the manna, Exodus 16, 16. It's like you had to gather every single day. You know, We don't live by bread alone. There's something to the relational connection of my voice that you'll step into something that you don't follow the maps or the forecast of this fallen world. You follow my path, right? And I illuminate it and release the inheritance. And the way it happens almost every time is as we are unlocked in heart and in mind in relationship to him, it is unlocked to us. Why? Because it's already been given to us. Right. And he's bringing us to a place of maturity that we can actually are capable to receive and hold on to what he wants to give us. This walk is always forward moving. It's never not. It just is. There's, there's no one walking with the Lord that, that is the same as they were last year or even the year before. It's constant growth. It is constant understanding and unlocked. And the manifestation of it, the measure of it, is seen in the fruit of the Spirit, which is also all about inheritance. You know, If you look at Galatians 5, he's like, walk in the Spirit, New Covenant Christianity, and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's like, what? Not, it's not the law mentality. Try not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's like, no, don't even think that way. Think about walking in the spirit, walking with me, and those things will be an after effect. It's like kingdom first, you know? These are the essences of the kingdom, the fruit that shows that you're abiding in your true inheritance. Love, joy, peace, patience, kind of good. You know, the fruit of the spirit. Like these things cause you to inherit the kingdom of God because you're actually abiding in that reality. It's an authority thing, man. It's, a, it's for all of us. And um, I think that's where I stop, maybe for today. They're in the actual promised land, but it's full of opposition. 
But God's kind of like, yeah, we'll get to that. You know, the very process of inheriting the promised land was actually going to remove the opposition. And the fear of the Lord was key, not the fear of the enemy. You know, I love what Jesus said even to the Pharisees of all people. When they were asking him about the kingdom of God coming, right? In Luke 17, verse 20 and 21. And rem just closing with this, like this is to the Pharisees who were so turned around backwards and poisoned by the knowledge of good and evil that they were trying to attack God not knowing it was him. You know what I mean? The very look, word of God, which they, they had the first five books of it memorized, but he was there and even memorizing it all, they couldn't recognize that he was embodied and he was there. Um, but Jesus, he's asking about when's the kingdom going to come? When's this breakthrough going to happen? When's this messianic kingdom where we throw off the enemy and we're in our promised land and all these things? And he answered and he said something. He said, the kingdom doesn't come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom is actually within you. And I was like, what? I was like, you meant to say that to your disciples, not those rascals, right? He's like, no, those rascals are my kids. And I wanted to unlock them just like everyone else. Everybody was just playing in the role that they were in. You know what I mean? It's just like, but it's, it's for everybody. And it's like, look, dude, like, how do, this mentality of when does the kingdom come? When is God going to give me breakthrough? You know what I'm saying? And then just putting it down like, it's going to be when I die and go to heaven. Like, we've rationalized that and that's going to wait. It's like, no, the kingdom of God's already here. It's actually already inside of you. Imagine saying that to Pharisees, man. This isn't, well, you know, David ate the showbread. He entered into some realm of the new covenant to where, you know, he got away with it, right? Because he's a prophet and all these things. Yeah, that's cool. But look, man, these are Pharisees trying to kill Jesus. And he's saying that to them. Hey, it's too late what you're fighting against. It's already on the inside of you. Not a universalist at all. Universal atonement, yeah, but not a universalist. But what I'm saying is like, hey, there's something that's freely there for you to step into if you'll accept it. You know what I mean? And fear is the very thing that actually keeps everyone out of it. But the Lord's there with his hand and saying, hey, just follow me and don't be led of it. You know. Well, Lord, we thank you for, for your word, which is truth and life for us all. Um, and I ask that even as we're talking today, it seems so often the very thing that keeps people back from walking in all the fullness of what you have for us, of even manifesting your kingdom on the earth, is a mindset of fear and insecurity and anxiety. But Lord, I ask that the love of God and the identity of God would be manifest in such a way, even to us all, as we're reading your scriptures in our time of prayer, in our time of connection to you, that we would begin to realize that you've never left us and that you're with us and that you have us fully and totally covered. And it's not about doing something in order to be accepted, but that you're actually with us in leading us to the truth. Lord, let us be those ones who manifest the kingdom of heaven in the earth and route the very gates of hell that they've set up illegally. Amen. Amen.